0: Great. good afternoon everyone. I'd like to take this opportunity to introduce our distinguished panelists who have made a significant impact in the CBD world. First, I'd like to introduce Celeste Miranda. Celeste is a seasoned marketing professional who has gathered significant notoriety in the cannabis industry. Celeste has taken several cannabis startups through a very successful launch, gaining unmatched exposure for what are now some of the largest industry brands. She sits on several boards within the cannabis industry, including the Cannabis Culture Association, MC4MS, and Canamami. Next, we have Shira Adler. She is the CEO of Shira Synergy, a CBD based consumer products company, author of the acclaimed The ABCs of CBD. She has been seen on Bravo, Good Morning America, The Today Show, and is a CBD advocate, entrepreneur, and educator. Shira was forced to go beyond Western medicine to seek answers and new tools to help her own family survive. Next on our panel is Dr. Bao Li. He is a successful entrepreneur whose passion for starting BAZ research is to refine and improve the processes of which cannabis-related products are derived and to change the narrative of the industry to remove the public stigma of cannabis. After learning that his youngest son is autistic, Dr. Bao committed his life to finding a safe and holistic alternative treatment for his son and others like him and made it his life's crusade to improve the industry. And next, we have Ray Mirzabijian, founded the California chapter of the Realm of Caring Foundation. He launched an organic THC products company called Caniatric. He started researching, testing, growing, and extracting different strains that were high in CBD to help his now 14-year-old's daughter, Emily, who has been diagnosed with Dravet syndrome. Ray and his brothers are now in charge of distribution of the Charlotte's Web in keniatric products in California. Ray has been featured on several news broadcasts and magazines. And again, I'm Maria Aparis. I'm the author of The Essential Gut Awakening, Mastering Hashimoto's and Other Autoimmune Diseases. I'm also a huge advocate for CBD and use it every day to assist with my own Hashimoto's disease. So. This panel is again called The Power Is Within Us, A Patient's Perspective on the Endocannabinoid System and CBD. Panelists, I'd like to start by just saying uh, thank you for being here today. And also, if you could just introduce how you use cannabis or CBD, how it's impacted your life, how it's made a difference, and um, if you could share a bit of your stories, your personal stories.
1: Sure. Uh- I guess I'll start. First of all, I wanted to ask the audience, how many here are actually uh, operators in, in the industry now? Raise your hands. Thank you. And how many are just here to learn about CBD and the benefits? Great, thank you. Kind of scope out who's actually we're talking to here. Um, have you, as you mentioned, um, my journey started um, for my son. Uh, di- he's 10 now. He was diagnosed with autism. At age 14 months, and uh, suffered night terrors and seizures. And for me, as a parent and as caregiver, um, on a lot of pharmaceutical d- medication. And from uh, journeying through uh, trial and error, through different uh, drug treatments for his night terrors and seizures, I end up learning a lot about CBD. And for now, uh, a ratio between now when I share ratios, they're my ex- own experience. But to help my son, it was an 11 to 1 ratio. Uh, higher CBD dominant strains and uh, a little bit lower uh, sativa uh, strains for THC. And what that uh, helped him was to um, make him sleep through the night so the body can heal itself. And then slowly I weaned him off all the pharmaceutical medication for the past four years. He's been pharmaceutical medical, um, pharmaceutical drug free and 100 percent on CBD regimens. So thank you for having me here. I'd love to share my experiences. Thank you so much. Um, and um, I, I believe that we're all in the right place. This is a lot bigger than all of us, but to share uh, how individuals like us become into this industry and, and try to raise the standards from testing efficacy and actually understanding how it works, an um, honor, honor to be here to
2: share that story with you guys. Thank you. Hi everyone. My name is Ray. Um, my story goes to my daughter, Emily, who is now almost 15 years old and has Dravet syndrome, which is a severe form of epilepsy. And she started having seizures at five months old. And this type of epilepsy causes over 100 seizures a day. And uh, unfortunately, no medication through uh, about almost a decade of trial and error of pharmaceutical medications. Nothing helped, and everything failed for us. And we found CBD uh, through some documentaries about five years, six years ago and um, a very short time into trying CBD oils, she had a 70% reduction in in seizures. And uh, a couple of years into starting the cannabis therapies, she became medication, pharmaceutical medication free for the first time ever since she was five months old. And so that uh, sparked uh, advocacy and uh, a whole career into helping other people who are suffering from epilepsy or autism uh, to figure out how to do this. And so through that, we launched some foundations and companies and started helping people. Uh, But Emily now is medication free. She's uh, still having a few seizures here and there. Uh, But because we were able to increase her quality of life by giving her these cannabinoids and taking her off of the pharmaceuticals, she is a happy, calm child that uh, you know, experiences life as any other child. And uh, for us, the victory is and has been using cannabinoids to increase the quality of life of our, our child. And so uh, I'll talk about my companies later on a little bit. But thank you for coming. Thanks for having me here. Thank you.
3: I want to say it is an honor to be on this panel because I think that the best and most beautiful part of this industry is actually when we know who each other is and we support each other. And it's through the authenticity and vulnerability of sharing those stories. And I'm just in awe of these guys, all of them. Um, And same thing. My story is because I'm a mother and they say necessity is the motherhood of invention. And so it was because I had children who, like many today, struggled and were given the various classification codes and diagnoses, and they were really just spiritual and unique, but they're disabled, you know, special ed system, all that, but anxiety and depression and PTSD and the things that far too many of us hold in our experience in our bodies. So I was looking for solutions to help balance and integrate who they were and who they tried to be, and I created a line of um, holistic, CBD-based products, but started first with just the essential oils. Because I believe in putting together ancient wisdom with modern science, because that's a reflection who each of us is on a mind, body, and spirit level. And I got my kids off Western meds, passed their hospitalizations and residential treatments, and I did that through natural integrative methods, but I couldn't save my parents. So I wrote the book, and I keep going. And every single day, if I can help someone else's child or their own experience in self-care, or their parents, that's what I must do.
4: Hi, I'm Celeste Miranda. Thank you all for attending the Expo and honored to be on this panel, first of all, with some very good friends, um, as well as having an amazing moderator. So thank you. Uh, I was uh, diagnosed with MS um, about eight years ago and uh, was put on many uh, different muscle relaxers and um, got to a point where obviously it wasn't a good one and slowly took myself off of those only with the transitional help of CBD. And so after many trial and error pharmaceutical meds with MS. I'm on a good one, an infusion, a good infusion uh, with Tisabri, and that's working. And I was able to completely come off all muscle relaxers and other medications um, by taking CBD in the morning and in the evening uh, for the spasticity uh, problems that come with MS. So went from being on a lot of meds And not being the person that I wanted to be, um, to living a good life, as good as it possibly can be, with um, just to Sabri and CBD. So, um, you know, just trying to share that with other people to get them to see the benefits of it, to do my part, to get mainstream, to understand the power behind the plant. And the different aspects of it, and to try to erase the stigma that there is for CBD, um, you know, that, that should never even be there in the first place. So, thank you all again for coming, and I'm sure it'll be a, be a great discussion. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Okay, so on behalf of the panelists, I want to take this time to just let everybody know that nobody here is making any kind of medical claims. Um, We're not here to treat, diagnose, cure, suggest, recommend, anything. We're just giving our perspective and opinions, but please seek the advice of your physician before doing, taking, anything. Okay, so the power is within us. Uh, let's talk a bit about the endocannabinoid system. Can you basically give us a rundown, Dr. Bao, of what that is, how it works?
1: Uh, <clears throat> I've been through two panel talks and I think that the, the, the takeaway is that from there's the receptor sites in our body that pick up certain chemicals, right? So you have CB1 receptor sites, CB2 receptor sites. Some have different effects on different parts of your CNS or central nervous system. I'm not a proclaimed doctor, but I can tell from my son's experiences that certain strains did affect certain parts of his body. To understand that, what, why was he hyper um, uh, hypersensitive to certain things? So, for autistic children, let's be more granular here: is that their parasympathetics are always heightened? So you saw that movie Rain Man? Raise your hands. on Rain Man. Sensitivity to sounds. <coughs> excuse me. Loud sounds, bright bright lights and noises overstimulates that. So the nervous system in our body, I tried to find a way how to regulate that. So by self-regulating my son, I found that there's tons of strains, parts of the parts of the chemicals that are found either a lot of argument in hemp based C B D, in cannabis based C B D. End of the day it's C B D. So however you wanna sum that up, whether it's legal in certain states to have hemp-based CBD compared to where I'm from in California is more cannabis-based CBD. I think the big picture is understanding what effects per uh, ratio of dosage that affects the individual person that either yourself and you're here trying to find the answers for that or for a loved one. So um, for me, it was very important for me to understand what parts of the plant does what and how much ratio per... Uh, symptomatology of medicine it can actually help and benefit so I want to be careful by saying that when you're looking for a quote-unquote treatment that's using CBD please talk to the people that know exactly what they're talking about from titration to formulation and also ratios. My expertise also is to finding out how to lab test that and how to go to cultivators and growers and lab tests and make sure that it's, it's pesticide-free, solvent-free, microbial-free because at the end of the day, I was giving my son a formulation that I was buying from another, another supplier that then forced me to actually try to figure out how to do it myself and part of that supply chain so I can actually go to the labs and make sure that when, when I was producing things for my son, how, where, where the source was from and how the labs were.
0: And we're going to cover that particular part of the extraction process, the lab testing and all of that stuff. I really want to focus on something that you mentioned, that there is a difference between medical marijuana and hemp, hemp oil. Can can Ray? Can you get into a little bit about what the differences are? And there seems to be a lot of confusion out there. And sure. I think if we distinguish exactly the difference between the two, it'll help quite a bit.
2: Absolutely. Uh, the the main difference. The simplest way to differentiate them would be the percentage of THC, uh, which basically is everybody refers to as the 3% or 0.3%. or So hemp-licensed products have a THC level that's uh, so low that allows these companies to license their products as non-cannabis or hemp. Uh, and for that reason, they're allowed to ship and mail and sell in non-dispensary locations. Cannabis CBD products simply have higher THC percentages. But there's a little bit more uh, than that to look at. So now there's, nowadays we have isolated CBD versus a whole plant CBD for instance. So some people think that an isolated CBD is hemp CBD and whole plant is not, that is not true. I think a hemp CBD can be a whole plant full spectrum. Uh, For example, like Charlotte's Web is the company that I represent. Uh, So I would say the THC percentage of a full spectrum whole plant CBD product is what justifies it as if it's hemp or cannabis. If it's more than 3%, then it's a cannabis product, basically.
0: OK, so can you tell me, is sure. is then the THC and the hemp oil both effective? Like, do you need to have the THC? So it's in-
2: referred to as the entourage effect. Uh, and the answer is, in, in my experience and opinion and data that I've collected from uh, my clients, yes. Uh, I think a whole full spectrum, a whole plant product is definitely much more medicinal or the effect is much more uh, than isolated CBD product, especially for the pediatric communities that we have been helping for epilepsy and autism. Uh, So yes, it plays a role, even that little tiny percentage of THC that's in a hemp CBD product plays a big role. You know, I'll give you one example. We have uh, clients who start full-spectrum CBD oil for their kids who have autism. And in the first few doses, which are lower doses, they experience worsening of uh, symptoms, Uh, you know, the stimulation happens. But when we take that same exact hemp oil and go up to higher doses, then they see some great results. And we always have to say, is it the little percentage of THC and other cannabinoids that's in this full spectrum that's playing a role? Because now we're giving more or higher doses to these kids. And so when you go up on the CBD, you're also going up on the THC and the other cannabinoids. So yes, I think in my experience, the THC percentage that's in full spectrum definitely plays a role in treatment.
0: Okay, so Shira, having children and and being a mom, how do you feel about giving your children THC or taking it yourself?
3: So I live in New York, not California. So it's a very different climate and uh, environment for what's legal and what is not, um, which actually about the you know the full spectrum. I'm a New York company. We, we can't have cannabis extracted uh, full spectrum. But full spectrum just generally means all the cannabinoids and all the phytochemicals and enzymes. Uh, so just as clarification. You know, And that's part of what makes me have to be so mindful as a mother, paying attention to the difference and where you get the source material and what it is and why I ended up doing my own company. Because in New York it isn't legal and I have one child with a medical marijuana card who's a minor, which is a big deal to get in New York with a minor, and I have one that's, <laughs> let's, he finds his own sources at some points or grows and I don't know anything about that. I didn't say that out loud. But he also is my CBD kid. But they're both. So for her, it is specifically medical marijuana as licensed by New York under certain diagnosis codes. But she supplements with CBD daily. Because of just the general health and wellness, we do both. We do both sides, the medical and the hemp-based non-medical, if that makes sense. But that's how we survive, all of us. Okay.
0: Celeste. Celeste. With all of the regulations that are happening now with putting CBD on labels because of the FDA regulations, how are people changing their packaging? How are they changing how they even use the word CBD? And how do you educate people to know that if something says hemp or hemp oil that they're still getting those cannabinoid diols? Right. You know, first of all,
4: each state is different. And so that's the first thing you need to know. We have, each country is different. We have clients in different countries, clients in different states, and packaging regs are different for for all of them. And so I I think, you know, when it comes to packaging, I want to always tell my clients, you know, more is better. You know, if you... Don't think you need a specific disclaimer, just put it on there. If you don't think you need the triangle with the upside-down exclamation mark, just put it on there. Just always err on the side of caution. You can never have too, much, too many disclaimers on your packaging. Um, as far as the hemp versus the cannabis-derived and all that, I think you, just, you can state what you receive from your testing, and I think that's the safest way to approach that. And as long as you have backup to what you're stating, never make medical claims on your bottles, you know, or your packaging. We can't do that. Um, don't do that. But also, one very simple thing that a lot of companies miss, and I know it seems very 101, but always make sure to put your website on your packaging. Put your, you know, a, a customer service number, anything like that. Um, on your packaging, but just remember that no medical claims. When it comes to safety, more is better um, and and that type of thing. And one thing, too, on your packaging, and I've gotten this question that some people think that this is different with CBD, and it's not. Do not create any packaging at all that will be attractive to children. And that it, no cartoon, no nothing that's cartoonish, um, nothing that would appeal to children in any way or fashion and so we've had a lot of companies say that well it's not cannabis it's cbd so it's okay for me to have you know a, a lot more bright colors going on there and that type of thing no it's not again error on the side of of cautionary precautions
0: with that okay good advice okay so from a from a patient's perspective if i'm i'm looking at if i'm looking at a shelf full of what's out there on the markets um there's so many varying degrees of what's available how do i know which one to get how do i know which one's going to be effective what am i going to look for in terms of what's in it where it, what, does it come, does it have to come from a certain space a place or is it grown you know what i mean like so t- walk me through that if you could ray and um what that looks like in terms of, I'm at the grocery store, what do I do from there?
2: Sure. Um, It's a great question. I think uh, consumers have to pay attention to companies that are, first of all, licensed, that are regulated. Secondly, they need to pay attention to consistency of product, purity of product. Now, how do you do that? You have to make sure that your company or your product produces test results. You have to be able to get certificate of analysis for that exact bottle that you're buying or product. So if a product has a batch number, you need to have access to that batch result. That shows responsibility in, in that company's part. That shows that they are regulated. But uh, you're right, you go to the store and there's a ton of products nowadays and they all look beautiful, packages and everything. Uh, just do your research. You know, there's a lot of organizations and foundations and medical doctors and parent advocates. There's there's a good amount of people to reach out to. I mean, there is a good amount of testimonials out there on, on what products have worked and, you know, what products have failed. But most importantly, I think the easiest way to do this is to look at a test result. Your your product has to produce test, uh, test results, and you, know, you need to be able to get those results from the company that you're buying these products from. And if, if they can't, I would stay away. You know, I, for Emily, I traveled from probably San Diego all the way to Oakland, buying cases of product about five years ago, trying to help her. And a good 80% of these products were just unlabeled. They had a Sharpie marking says, you know, CBD only or something like that on it. Uh, desperate, we bought it all. We brought it home. We tried it, uh, and uh, fortunately, dispensaries have regulations nowadays that have kicked in, and they cannot sell you unlicensed products. But uh, if you're buying your CBD product from non-dispensary locations, uh, the regulation isn't there yet. I mean, some of these CBD stores might sell you CBD products that are really not licensed or regulated or tested. Uh, and so be careful of that just do your research
0: so so that's what i'm c- trying to clarify just because it's on a grocery store shelf or a wellness store shelf does not necessarily mean that it's been lab tested right. so is do we go to their website do we so, it,
2: Yes, you go to the website and see if you can request batch results, if there is a batch number, right? Okay. If not, you as a California at least resident, you can test this product yourself. It's going to cost you some money, but you can test it at a third-party testing lab. Uh, the, The stores like Sprouts and these big box stores that are now carrying CBD, they are responsible enough to know that they should buy licensed products. So I wouldn't worry about them. Uh, there is CBD boutiques popping up or kiosks all over the place. And uh, first of all, from my experience, about 70% of their products are isolated CBD products. They're not whole uh, whole plant. But uh,
0: besides okay, so that. That's a good good point. I want to just touch on that in a second. Sure. So they're, what did you say? They're full isolates? Isolated CBD. Isolated so, CBD versus. So it's just CBD full versus
2: full spectrum. Again, for me, based on my experience with. 1,600 kids with epilepsy and autism now. Uh, isolates just didn't work for us. Yeah. I, I don't consider it uh, medicinal for this purpose, at least. I'm sure there's a purpose for it and I'm not saying it's not good. It's probably good for the person who is a federal employee who cannot test positive for a drug test or something like that. Um, but for us, uh, you, know, you have to, especially if you're giving it to a person who has a severe illness, uh, you have to make sure that there is no impurities in there. And you have to make sure that it's consistent. So take this as an example. I I found a product for my daughter that worked. And after years of struggling, now she is doing better. And next month I go to buy the same product and I buy it, but it doesn't work anymore because it's not consistent, right? Uh, So those things are important. You have to pay attention to consistencies. You have to pay attention and support companies that understand that concept, basically.
0: Okay, thank you for that info. All right, so I'm seeing a lot of labels out there that say that they're nano-enhanced. Can you tell me, Dr. Bao, what does that mean? And is that a benefit? Yeah,
1: it's, it's a process of actually um, from the extraction of the plant to an oil and then processing, post-processing that, nano enhancement is a way to either um, make it more permeable or bioavailability. So it's, it's actually a scientific process and that's used lot in compound pharmacies and now we're trying to use that into our uh, technology also in the cannabis uh, sector.
0: So from what i understand the the hemp molecule itself like the molecule for the plant itself is is fairly large. So breaking that down into a nano enhanced delivery helps with absorption, yes?
1: 100%. Okay. So well it, it's it's also if you're using topicals or creams, uh-huh. then that nano enhancement is definitely a faster absorption rate than if you're not using that nano enhancement technology to break down that molecule to a smaller nano-sized particle.
0: Okay, and so how key is a liposomal delivery?
1: Well, that's, 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 that's the same philosophy is that in product development, what we do in Berkeley, is that a lot of uh, products, a lot of brands uh, hire us to, to see what those products they want to make is to be able to um, be, uh, you know, different from another brand or different from different absorption rates. So, um, I think the technology is, is leaning towards the, the nutraceutical and pharmaceutical areas to make it liposomal and also nanotechnology to make it fast absorption rate because no one wants to have a pain uh, or equivalent to a pharmaceutical rub or a pain cream. But when it doesn't penetrate your uh, dermal layer and go down to your bloodstream, go to your, your brain and trigger that blocking or decrease inflammation, decrease anxiety, or decrease in pain. So those techniques are finally crossing over to cannabis and CBD, which is really interesting, really exciting to have that. So you're comparing apples to apples, right?
0: Yes. In a way, yes. Because as a person who has autoimmune, the absorption for me is key because of leaky gut syndrome and all of that. So for me, I want to make sure that the absorption is at its maximum potential if I'm spending the money for it. So Celeste, do you see that money makes a difference in what you're spending in terms of if it's more expensive, is it better? hmm
4: not always necessarily um you know i've seen some products that are really really good products that are high priced and i've seen some products that are great products that are very reasonably priced and you know it has pricing has to do with so much has to do with sourcing has to do with packaging has to do with marketing has so much you know with based upon your overhead um so I wouldn't say that, no, not necessarily, you know. What we're seeing in the industry is that the, the beverages are super high priced. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. CBD beverages are, are crazy high priced. And I don't know exactly why, but it, it might be part of something of how it's made or the process it takes, I don't know. But I have noticed that that's definitely a trend that the drinks are very much so on the higher side. But as far as the quality, I've, I've seen both, honestly.
0: That's, it's, it's interesting because for those of us out here who are consumers, we're looking for something on the shelf that's easily accessible. And the wide range of pricing kind of leaves us in this, which one do I get? Do I spend the money? Does it make it better? Do I go for the cheaper brand? Does it really make a difference? So I love <laughs> that it kind of doesn't, you know, just go based on how you feel when you take it, I believe. So that being said, Shira, do you believe that there's a preference in deliverability? So like, for example, edibles versus smoking versus vaping um, versus topical. What's your perspective on that?
3: I think that it's a beautiful thing that we have so many uh, ways of addressing and ingesting and using and benefiting from in terms of delivery methods. But it's really very, very personal, I think. That it depends on your age, your lifestyle, your comfort level, even your aesthetic. Uh, obviously, for in what I see in my work with different segments, I'd say the aging baby boomer population—you know, our parents and grandparents—if you're my age. Um, You know, they're obviously not going to be as comfortable using a straight smoking uh, delivery method. A vape is probably the freakiest thing. You know, I hear this a lot. A topical is far more comfortable for that age bracket, and it depends on the product, because that's actually a fall risk age bracket. So when working with medical or which products, you just want to be mindful of that. Um, And then I'd say for millennials, is that even a question? (laughs) they are so creative with those bong designs. I've never seen such things. It's, it's gorgeous. I have a healthy <laughs> appreciation for it. Um, and I have a 15 and a 17-year-old. So, and they know the names of every strain and everything that's going on. They know my son reads the grower magazines and is more into... I think he'll be an ethnobotanist or a bud tender (laughs) if I was a vet So I think it really depends on also your exposure to what the delivery methods are because if you live in a state where it's not legal and there's heavy stigma, you probably don't see a vape shop on every corner, right? So then if you're even willing to go there, it's probably a, a, a supplement, not an edible, but, you know, a vitamin. Vitamins are okay. You know, so it really... All the social, emotional... And geographical factors have to do with what method you pick, what works for you. And luckily, people here and this expo are all full of incredible manufacturers and companies that I think are really, it's just shocking. I mean, three weeks ago, it feels like there were no sodas with CBD. I'm like, all of a sudden. But they've been working quietly behind the scenes to fit this beautiful plant medicine into modern lifestyle, whatever that looks like for each of us.
0: Which one is your preference? Just curious.
3: Um, it really depends on my mood, obviously. Really my aromatherapy, because I was a fan of it before I put CBD in, because I found it was the fastest, simplest way to just give myself something. And I was not going to smoke, and it depends where you are. If I'm in the car, I'm a busy mom, I need something I can grab and use quickly and legally.
0: So you're saying basically that what you're using is below the 3%
3: Oh, absolutely. I'm a New York-based company, and I ship everywhere. I have only hemp-derived full spectrum. And then in aromatherapy, I do use an isolate for a specific reason because of the terpene profiles. Uh, Aromatherapy, that already is a whole bunch of terpenes. So I'm using CBD differently for that product. But on either level, those are hemp-derived, full-spectrum, legal associated with the Department of Agriculture licensed
0: products. Okay, So just to to drive that home a little bit, if it's 0.3% or less, it's considered the hemp oil. And anyone can use it across the states, I believe, because there's no psychoactive effect from that. Anything over that, you do have that psychoactive effect. So from my point of view, I personally don't like the psychoactive effect. But if it works for you, great. But I think we need to kind of establish the difference between the two. So according to Dr. Stephen Laviolette, La a neuroscientist based in Canada who researches marijuana's effects on the brain, He says that if you are exposed to high levels of THC, one could experience temporary symptoms of schizophrenia and cognitive impairments and paranoia, and that one could experience psychotic-like symptoms for a couple of hours. He goes on to say that he would not recommend anyone under the age of 25 to not smoke because it's not worth a risk. Dr. Bao, Mm -hmm. how does that information on his perspective I know you're laughing already um how does that how does that give you um how does that give you the the ease to give it to your children even though they're not smoking it and and that's what he says specifically so how, how do you gauge that
1: first of all I want to commend you for this is the first panel that we were not given the questions to and this is all like just mm-hmm. in your face and raw <laughs> I, I love that right I mean right and we're also <laughs> like what did she gonna ask us next or, um, <laughs> I'm like scared. so
0: patient's perspective you know
1: for, for me for, for me come to my house one day doc spend time with my kids and and see what it does yeah. right I mean but that's more the angry dad talking. Um, <laughs> but as in the proactive talk is, you know, you don't want to take that head on. Um, you don't want to take pharmaceutical head on. You don't want to take any negativity head on. We're all here to open our hearts and our minds. And, and as business operators and owners of companies, we want to be successful, right? So as owners of companies here, you know, we, we got bills to pay and, and <clears throat> overhead to, to um, attend to. But as an overall picture, it's just a little ignorance. in in that statement, but looking at family members and children that are changing lives. And, you know, no one wants to really put their child on a video and share it on YouTube and see the worst moments of their children suffering from an illness and disease, and all of a sudden, you magically take this um, oil that no one really knows what the hell it does and put it in their mouths and it goes away. I mean, is that placebo? Is that snake oil? So, and to answer that question, it's, it's why we're here, right? While we can share our, our journeys, our good and our bads, and our successes and failures as operators and also attendees. Um, five years ago, I was an attendee, you know. In three years now, I'm on a panel. It's like, really? Like, how did that happen? But it's, lo- it's a lot of sweat equity, a lot of hard work, and a lot of money and time. And for, for anyone here to be an attendee and, and be a panelist is because you, you did the right choices, you made the right decisions, and you spent a lot of money. Because without spending the money to be an entrepreneur in this industry, it's it's there's no playbook, there's no funding, there's no, you know, checks being written by you know big institutions, and and that journey has been driven, driven us to the point where, if I were to talk to that physician or, in that report, it's like, hey, let's sit down and have a coffee, and and let's be real about what 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 it's doing for our kids and our families.
0: Thank you for that. And the reason I bring that up is because I. Every person has their own experience and what you would be willing to risk for your child. And so I totally 100% commend you for what you have done and, and are doing on behalf of your children and the rest of us who are looking for those answers. And yes, it is, will, will, it's definitely worth a risk.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, okay, so. What's the next? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk contamination. Okay, so as a patient, and we talked about this a little bit before. So, Ray, as a patient, it's crucial for me to not have exposures as much as that's possible to anything that is going to further compromise my immune system, right? So according to a California news station published in January 18th, of this year, the California Cannabis Association stated that just 5% of cannabis on the market has been tested for safety and experts said as much as half may have been contaminated with dangerous and large quantities of mold, fungus, pesticides, herbicides, and bacteria. So how do we know that they're safe? We go into the labels, we go into the testing, but how can we, we as a consumer, be sure? Like, it's not even regulated. As far as we know, and because it's not well, it's
2: it's now supposedly, you know, there's licensing and people have to be legal and licensed. But yes, there is no force going out there to see who is actually uh, uh, what their label claims, right? There's nobody taking products off the shelves and say you know, testing to see if the test result or the label claim was correct or not. It's coming. I think uh, the the real answer to your question is you really can't be sure unless you test the product yourself, even now still. But if you are buying licensed product from licensed uh, dispensaries, let's say, if it's a cannabis product, then these testing labs are now linked to the state uh, cannabis bureau. This testing lab and the test itself automatically gets transmitted to the bureau. and. I, personal experience for my line, if anything is wrong or not matching what you're claiming, believe me, within two hours, you get a call from the Cannabis Bureau, within two hours of the test being published to them. Uh, that's what happened to us. And literally two hours after the testing lab submitted the test results, one of our products failed for label claim, meaning we said it's 1,500 milligrams, and it was 1,420 milligrams and in the test result. And so the bureau called the man, the, dis, the licensed distributor of this product and said, do you have all of these products quarantined or have they been sold already? If they've been sold, you have to issue a recall, they said. And so we had the whole thing in our uh, vault. We didn't sell anything. But that gives me a little bit of a comfort and assurance that they are on top of that, at least if it's a dispensary licensed product. That doesn't exist in the hemp industry yet. So in the hemp industry, I would say, if you are not familiar with the product, meaning if it's not a reputable company or a product that has been around for a long time and uh, you found it or somebody gifted it to you or whatever it is, I would test it before I give it to my child. And I'll tell you again, man, I've seen some really bad test results from products that I've purchased from stores. Uh, and it's, it's true. I, I believe that article. There is a lot of product that have mold in there. And that's mm. microbials and mold is the main problem that I see in, in a lot of products out there. Um, test it, people. Test it if you can. If you can't, find people that can test it for you, maybe. Um, if not, then buy products that are trusted. That's what my, my
0: suggestion is. I, I like that because I don't know how many times I've run into people and that have said, Psst. Would you like some CBD oil? <laughs> <laughs> and they make it in their garage, or they make it in their backyard, and you're just like, no, thank you. Um, so Celeste, given your worldview on cannabis, where do you see us, the U.S. in comparison? Like, what needs to happen in order for us to either catch up, or where do you see the U.S. in the market?
4: Based off of our clients and the different work that we do in the cannabis industry, I would say, you know you this is going to be interesting, but by far Israel has some of the most amazing um technology positioning um, just strategy on their their camp that I've ever seen Israel is just we have several clients there and it's it's very impressive um Canada you know obviously is a big discusser in in everybody's in, in everybody's uh topics I, you know I, I think we have to truly wait to see how Canada does how they really roll this out um but obviously they've they're ahead of us in in the process and so I think that it's good I think we should watch what they do um but honestly if you you guys really want to um uh, read some good research on CBD and cannabis and what's being done. Uh, look at some information out of Israel. Because to me, that's some of the leading uh, information and research that's coming out.
0: Well, Dr. Mushalam is the one who discovered that we have an endocannabinoid system, and then from there discovered that we have the CB1 and CB2 reflect- receptors, and uh, he na- n- named them the anandamides, which means bliss in Sanskrit. So it really does affect and make sense that they would be on the forefront of all of, of the the discoveries and where we're going. So. Some little history facts, I'm not sure if you're aware of, but in Connecticut, Massachusetts, and Virginia, they were required by law in in the um, 1700s to grow hemp on their farms. And if they didn't, they could serve jail time for that. And it wasn't until the mid-30s or the 1930s is when they um, did the propaganda of reefer madness and everything kind of spiraled more towards lumber paper versus hemp paper. And so all of these things kind of shifted in the 30s. And so that's why they're, we're kind of making like this movement now of bringing back the, the cannabis plant into our lives. And so to be a part of this movement is something that we used to eat, and, or, or the farm animals that we ate used to eat. And so we would get these, these, this cannabinoid dial into our system. And so as a whole, we're all walking around with what's called can, endocannabinoid deficiency syndrome. And if you look at the rise of autoimmune diseases, you'll see that America is one of the leadest, leading countries in autoimmune diseases. And so there's everything from diabetes to lupus to um, Hashimoto's to MS. Um, These autoimmune diseases are rising, and they keep rising. And so when I have found that people who are using hemp oil, uh, cannabis products, it's affecting the immune system. So what that does is it's calming the immune system. And getting that into our system, the cannabinoid system, it helps us support so many things. So my specialty is the gut. How does this, in your opinion, affect the gut and how it relates to the enteric nervous system and how it works in terms of the inside out, so to speak, Dr. Bao?
1: Well, you know, specifically for my son, he uh, being autistic, he has had a lot of GI tract issues, right? Um, so I found that, Um, THC actually uh, does help uh, with that healing process in his his diet. He, uh, not to be graphic, but he gets constipated very frequently and when he does that, uh, when autistic children can't communicate, they end up with SIB behaviors, self-injurious behaviors because they're they're not feeling well and they start hitting themselves. So I found the the right type of uh, THC strain-specific oils um, actually helps that gut system out and it it doesn't make him as uh, stressed, and it doesn't make him as agitated. So then lack of communication for, uh, especially these children that don't communicate regularly, I found that actually is a, a soothing factor for him.
0: So how does it work, Shira, with the homeostasis that we're all trying to achieve?
3: We spoke of the endocannabinoid system, and what cannabinoids do is replenish the balance and create homeostasis in the body. So also the endocannabinoid receptor system regulates all of our other systems. So um, what we're trying to do then is just basically give the system the combination of cannabinoids it needs and recognizes to work in whatever area it needs to work in. And we can say that the shared symptomology of everything, when something is out of whack within our bodies, autoimmune to rash to mood dysregulation to spiritual, it's uh, it's a inflammation. And so the way all of those cannabinoids work is they calm everything down and then they create the homeostasis and the alignment for the other systems in our body, in our brain, in our spirit.
0: So you know when you go to the doctor and he tells you to go home, sleep, rest, maybe have some soup, (laughs) right? Have some chicken soup. So what he is asking us basically to do is to create our own way of getting into homeostasis. Homeostasis is when our body starts to heal itself. So what these cannabinoid diols do is help our body achieve homeostasis. And as we do that, our body starts to regulate and heal. So... Moving on, I, I want to open up some questions um, from people in the audience. Um, let's see what time it is. Okay, let's, um, let's do it. Let's take some questions from the audience. If you, There's a microphone over here, if you'd like to stand up and, and maybe form a line and you can address the panel individually or myself or let whoever wants to answer, answer.
4: So it could be for anyone in yes. the panel. Um, as a consumer, you know, like you said, when you go to either, <clears throat> you know, look for a product or whatever, or even here at the convention, you know, you're seeing salves and you're seeing inhalants and you're seeing all sorts of modes of <clears throat> deliveries and all sorts of concentrations uh, and all sorts of mixed, you know, uh, like you said, terpenes. I'm, I'm new to this. so. How would, as a consumer, how can we know what's sort of good for anxiety versus sleep versus, <laughs> you know, just some broad classification versus inflammation? Because there's so much information that you don't know, hey, should I be taking a 1,000 with this? Or should I be vaping it, you know? So if anyone can answer that I'll, question.
2: i I'll start. Out. First of all, I, th- I want to say, when it comes to methods of delivery, in my opinion, not that the other methods are not good. Every- everyone will work some better than the others. But if you want to document exactly how many milligrams of which cannabinoid worked for you, it's so hard to do that with a vaporizer or a flower or even an edible that you have to cut into six or eight pieces or any of that. My personal preference and recommendation would be a tincture, which is concentrated, tested. You know exactly how many milligrams per milliliter is in there. That way, you can follow some kind of a standard or a protocol and start with a, you know certain milligrams and increase it. And what that leads to is what we call a trial and error phase. And if anybody has any real symptom that they are trying to treat with cannabinoids, you have to know you're going to go through a trial and error phase till you figure out what's working. And that means uh, which cannabinoid. And that also means if you need indica or a hybrid or a sativa, all of that. So give yourself time and patience and go on a trial and uh, error phase. Uh, My recommendation with a tincture so that you can know exactly how many milligrams you're using.
0: Yes, please.
3: I just wanted to add, it's so interesting to me to look at cannabis as a field and hemp and look at the medicine and understand that it's ancient wisdom and it's plant medicine. And yet we're still trying to assign to a large degree the typical old paradigm way of this dosage. And it's nothing about us, we're doing the best we can. But it's more a statement about how we really should evaluate products, because it doesn't, it's not based on the BMI. A dosage is only as good as it's meant for this type in this moment because that's how complex we are. Our physiology is affected, our emotional bodies are affected, our thought patterns are affected and not just the brain chemistry, the pregenetic disposition or the deficiency syndrome which most of us have. So it's a little more complex. I would say trust your gut, do your research of course. But trust your gut. Your, your intuition will speak as to what resonates for your fields and what does not. You always get a hit. You look at it, you sense it, you can muscle test for it. The trial and error is also just about you take the first step. You've done your research, you know enough to look, look for certain things. What are you drawn to? And trust that and try that first. Listen to yourself.
5: Thank you. Hi, um, I'd like to ask the doctor um, you mentioned something about light, bright light, and loud sound. And my older brother is uh, in the autistic spectrum. And he used to come home from school with the top of his pants all worn off because he would sit at school and go like this all day long. And so I've watched progressively how things have gotten worse for him. And now he's using CBD. And so things are getting better. But I'm not really sure why. I. I haven't really spoken to him a lot about it, but then all of a sudden, um, I'm really sensitive to bright light and loud sound, and so I'm thinking, oh my goodness, guess what? I'm walking into that. So I personally would like to understand, I'm taking some CBD, it's just broad spectrum. What is it about the bright light and the loud sound that you've discovered and what isolated uh, cannabinoid, if that's what I'm asking you, what is it that attends to that?
1: sounds like you're having sympathy uh, issues with your brother. <laughs> no, um, it's really happening. <laughs> so specifically with, with, with autistic conditions, your central nervous system, your parasympathetics are heightened. So when you have a heightened sensitivity, anything that's visual auditory is, is more sensitive, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, I, I did an ACDC uh, strain of CBD and I did a sativa. So the if you're asking me what I what helped my my son to diminish that heightened sensitivity using C B D and THC, I was very strain specific. I try like with with, uh right here, we went everywhere to try to find what strain does this and it's trial and error. So it's it's for me it was slow and steady Mm -hmm. to trying to find what dosage, what delivery method. So when I I honed into what they call is a ACDC strain or plant or genotype that uh, that has a very uh, dominant CBG, uh, CBN, CBG effects. And then also I do a sativa, which is more of a head euphoria uh, instead of a body euphoria. You probably do an indica for your MS, right? right. So those are kind of the things that um, we're, as an industry, kind of learning that, it's, it's almost like a recipe, right? So you're trying to cook a recipe. Do you use so much salt, so much sugar, so much turmeric? And it has different effects. Mm-hmm. So if you look at an analogy as you're cooking a recipe for yourself, mm-hmm. do you like salty foods? Or do you like sweet foods, right? So once you understand the science behind the endocrinologist system and what types of strains are out there, it's self-discovery. But then you have Dr. Knox in the audience from Oregon that's, he's treated over 10,000 patients with this. You might want to direct the questions to Dr. Knox. Sorry, Dr. Knox, <laughs> I want to plug you Pull up in a here. Chair. Get up here. here, here yeah. so now she's going to do it to you. Um, <laughs> Thank but, you very but much. But it's <laughs> a recipe of life, and we, we all had to self-discover it for either ourselves or a our loved one. So you can email any of us, and we will gladly be more in depth to kind of share that recipe with you, depending on the symptomatology that you have right now that's affecting you now.
4: Wonderful. Let's uh oh. You know, we talk about, I call it time and titration to find your optimal dose. So, in treating your son, how difficult was it for you to come to that 11 to 1 ratio that's now working well? It, it was.
1: It was terrible. It was. I'm. I'm. I'm type A um, OCD myself. So I took notes every single hour what it did for him. I rated zero being normal, 10 being really. Uh, either suffering a seizure or not. And I went a period of seven days of just observing dosage, observing dosages, increasing, disc, decreasing. Six months into it, wow. on a Wednesday, six o'clock at night, <laughs> when he slept through the first uh, series of deep ramp sleep and only wakes up, that, that milestone hit me at six o'clock when he woke up and he said, hi, dad, and he went to the bathroom without suffering a night terror. That 11 in ratio took me six months to hit that recipe. And from this point on, I'm a believer, and, and anything that anyone says to me doesn't work, well, come to my house, and I'll show you. But to me, that titration, slow and steady, was the recipe for my son and how I helped him change his life and save his life and save my life at the same time. So thank you for that question. Mm,
5: yeah. nice. Thank you very much. You.
1: Yes, a lot of data. Hello. I was wondering how prevalent um, research has been as of late with regards to pregnant women uh, taking CBD as sort of a a supplement. I know everyone's always like, oh, no, no. You know, no one wants to be the person to say, sure, go ahead and take it. But, um, you know, is there any sort of research that you guys are familiar with? Uh, my wife and I had just started a, a local delivery service of CBD products only in, in Orange County, and we get questions all the time. Even though we don't technically offer a consultation service, you feel obligated to be able to sit with them and try to educate them as much as you can. And we get questions all the time about pregnancy, also things with, like, Tinnitus in the ears, or specifically, that works for the—you know—I mean, you get those questions. So, anyway, I'd like to direct that to anybody on the panel. I
3: have, I have, um, it is a question I get a lot as a woman, and uh, the studies are unfortunately not fantastic because. A study is only as good as the money that set the intention for what it was looking for and how it wanted to relay that information. So the studies that are out there are more to show and prove, whether even they're on MedPub, how dangerous THC is, which is a specific set of, you know, in terms of the scientific method, That's not going to get you what you need. And it's not to say that then CBD or cannabinoids are bad for pregnant women. It's only to say that this one study that was looking for this shows this. But unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And until this is more fully regulated, we have more options for research, we're stuck with the things that are out there. I do have articles and things I'm happy to send and and connect with women because these are the daily questions, aren't they?
1: Thank you, guys.
0: Okay, so I'm going to, any more questions? Okay, I have one. So I've heard essential oil companies coming out with uh, copaiba, copaiba, black pepper, and they're saying that they are just as good or more powerful for the endocannabinoid system. And I kind of want to just clarify that once and for all. If you could just give me your perspective on that because I, I can't get through that without chuckling myself, but I just want to clarify that. Let's go down the line. I have no idea.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Um,
3: Yeah, that's a doTERRA marketing term for calling Copaiba the same as CBD. I get it all the time from people trying to get me to use their aromatherapy companies in I hear it a lot. So yeah, there are phytocannabinoids. There are many of them. And of course, there are some similar. In the way that terpenes work from essential oils to the terpenes cannabis, the phytocannabinoids are all part of a system. Because it has tremendous similarity in that nature of what it is, does not mean and is not the same. Thank you for that.
0: Okay. So To wrap everything up here today, first I want to thank our amazing audience for being here and taking the time. And to also say, um, to go back to the subject of the power is within us. I would like for each panelist to tell me your opinion on how is the power within us and what can we do to propel that forward?
1: Um, I think that when we're here absorbing uh, personal experiences of everyone's path of how we became a panelist on the panel, we affected a lot of people that didn't understand why we're doing. It. Like my, I didn't even tell my dad I was in the industry until two years after I started the company. <laughs> I think that that stigma of, of what it is and why we do for is so important for us to break through the barrier and understand that. Um, if it didn't work, we wouldn't be here, number one. Number two, how do, we, how do we quantify it? How do we make it safe? And how do we make revenue out of it? I mean, let's not kid ourselves. We're here to understand the successes of companies, how we made money and sustain our company so that we can use that money for the right of what we do, what we believe in. So I think the takeaway for me is that sharing stories and asking the right people the right questions. And how do you make money and be successful at it? I think that's the key. Thank you. I do apologize. I have a five o'clock flight back, so <laughs>
0: nice Thank you, Dr. Bath.:
2: I think for me, it's definitely what Dr said, share the story and just keep spreading the word. But everybody has a responsibility to be responsible about CBD, and what that means is, just support uh, tested, clean, responsible medicine. And if you find companies that are tested, clean, and responsible, support them. And that's, that's what it comes down to. I think uh, as consumers even, we need to uh, understand that it's your responsibility too to pick the right product for your Child or adult patient. And so for me, uh, yeah, I'm going to go around and preach and talk about my daughter's success and, uh, you know, CBD saved her life. And I want everybody, even if one person gets uh, influenced by her success and her story, that's one person's life that's going to be improved. So I owe it all to my daughter. That's why I'm here.
0: Love that. Thank you.
3: The power is within us because we are these incredible combinations of mind, body, and spirit beings with intuition and wisdom. And it's about waking each other up and being mirrors for each other to reflect that energy back. We don't know what we don't know on a conscious level. okay? But we know how to do better, go deeper, become more expansive, learn more, and share more. That's our power, and that's
4: always there. Everything is a choice. We can all make choices. This is not the one that the government wants us to make, this is not the one that the DEA wants us to make, this is not the one that the FDA wants us to make, this is not the one that Big Pharma wants us to make, but make the best one for yourself. Marketing can do a lot, dollars can do a lot, make the best one for yourself. And thank you for coming to see us. Yes.
0: All right, thank you once again to our amazing panelists. It's been my pleasure to be here today and you can step aside with either one of them, get some questions asked, answered, and if you want any information.